0: This episode of On The Beat is brought to you by Ingles. Shop online with Ingles Curbside Pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. Well, hey everybody, Mike Griffith here and welcome to tonight's Ingles On The Beat show. And obviously, uh, a big night for Georgia football. A lot of big news for the Bulldogs coming down the pipe. I think we lead off with Carson Beck. I think this is... Um transformational uh, return of Carson Beck. This was really in doubt, and this is a story that I've been reporting a lot on. I know that uh, Matt Hayes, uh, who writes for Saturday Down South, in addition to being a co-host on 1010XL out of Jacksonville, Matt has been all over this story as well. And Matt, I really appreciate you joining me tonight on the show, and I guess I'd just ask you for your knee jerk reaction to the news that Carson Beck is coming back to the Georgia Bulldogs for the 2024 season? It's huge. I mean, honestly, Griffith,
1: if they're not the favorite, I don't know who is. It. I mean, that's your, you're talking about a program that was literally looking at playing next year with a, tra- a quarterback from the transfer portal, which is hit and miss, man. I say this all the time. Those guys are in the portal for one reason and one reason only. They're, you know, they're the unloved and the unwanted or, or, you know, by some strange chance, you know, they're talented guys that just want one shot at playing for a championship. And those guys were falling by the wayside quickly. So it was a rough spot. I mean, for about a week there, it was, you know, Kirby needed to know because Kirby needed to get a reporter back. Um, he couldn't be left with Gunnar Stockton and a guy from the transfer portal who was going to be a second or third choice from the transfer portal. So he needed a decision. And I think the fact that Carson Beck said yes is just huge. You're, you're talking about a guy that's an elite thrower. Um, a guy that I think will be a top tier, if not the number one Heisman candidate, going into next season, and a guy who will be perfect for Ryan Pugliese, who will be able to just mentor him the whole way while he's trying to win a championship, show him what it takes uh, to be an elite quarterback. Yeah, I see you smiling there. You know what I'm talking about. He yeah. will be able to walk. I um, mean, Ryan Pugliese will be able to walk behind Carson Beck the mm-hmm. entire time and see what it's like. And here's the key, man: to manage a team. It's you know for so long you know we heard Nick Saban say I, I want a quarterback that could manage the offense and it was always like oh that's this bugaboo for a quarterback that can't play but no that's not what it is if you were watching that NFL game last night with the Jaguars uh, and, and the Bravens, and you were watching the Jags complete that long ball down down the sideline and they're running up to the line of scrimmage at the three three yard line and instead of just spiking the ball and getting two plays with twelve seconds to go. Trevor Lawrence tries to run a play. He runs a quick out. Wide receiver Parker Washington gets tackled inbounds. They have no timeouts, half over, points over. That's managing a game. Managing a game is getting to the line of scrimmage, seeing you're in the wrong play and knowing we got to get out of this play. That's managing a game. So that's why Nick Saban always says, I want a guy that can manage the game. Doesn't mean he doesn't have arm strength. Doesn't mean he can't throw the ball. Um, Kirby was looking at potentially going into a season with a lot of around him but a lot of inexperience at the most important position on the field now he's got a guy that can win it all
0: yeah and, and carson got better and better as the year progressed and you know I, I keep saying it so many times he's sooner or later he's he's got to get an nil deal from rubik's cube i i don't know about you but i'm just so impressed that somebody can solve rubik's cube in a minute but but what it tells you is this guy's a processor this is a guy that can see patterns this is a guy that can think logically quickly and it's very similar to playing quarterback and, and having that anticipation and being able to go through the progressions. And I don't think people really appreciate how sophisticated and complex the Georgia offense is and what they do. And, and I still hear people say, oh, well, you know, Mike Bobo just had Carson back throwing a lot of short passes this year. It's like, no, no, you, you don't understand. He goes to the line of scrimmage and the progression and play call is predicated on the defense. It's not like, hey, we're doing this, come hell or high water. It's let's see what they do. Let's see how they line up. And based on how they line up and based on the coverages and based on the matchups, this is my read. This is the answer. You always hear about Kirby Smart saying you got to have a lot of answers, right? You got to have answers on defense. You got to have answers on offense. And Carson Beck is a processor who can go to the line, number one, get you out of the huddle, get the play called. get the snap off. Think about this, Matt. You watch Georgia football, you don't see false starts. You just don't. You don't see guys running out of clock. You don't see delay of game penalties. Extremely rare because these offenses have been managed so well, any more than you see their defenses falling down and faking injuries because they're so conditioned and they're so deep and they can sub. These are the little things that separate championship teams from teams that stumble and lose one or two games. Now you have a quarterback back and Carson back who is going to get you in the right protection, the right play and has the arm talent to make all the throws. Now here's the next question, right? We're we're getting greedy here as we're looking into next season. And I'm with you. Um, I, I think Georgia starts right out as a national championship favorite again uh with Carson Beck back but what's the next move because it wasn't just quarterbacks that were getting away Riley Leonard potential Georgia guy had Carson Beck gone pro but it was also skill position players and if there was one area where I thought Georgia was weak this year and dropped off it was at receiving. They- the Donnie Mitchell, you say, oh, we only caught nine balls. Yeah, well, four of them touchdowns. This is the guy that scored touchdowns to beat Alabama two years ago. He scored touchdowns in the playoff last year. He scored two touchdowns for Texas to beat Alabama this year. Right. You lost in the portal. Georgia cannot lose in the portal, Matt. What do you anticipate happening next in the portal for the Bulldogs?
1: I think they're going to go after offensive line and wide receiver. I mean, if, if the idea that Carson is coming back and turning down millions from the NFL, he got a sweet deal from Georgia.
0: Well, well let's just wait, wait, so, so let's let's stop there and hit the reset cuz we both I think we both reported on this. I had some Georgia sources. I know you're down there in Jacksonville. What I was told up here was that Carson's ask was for the equivalent of a signing bonus that he would have projected to get in the NFL. Will Levis was a guy uh that was the fourth quarterback taken, 3.9 million, Matt. I was told uh, an ask of over 4 million and for those people that wonder where the money comes from only part of it um comes from NIL right there are other means for players to get money other than NIL so that's that was what i knew was that that was the ask and i'll let you kind of plug in uh the, the, what you believe some of the details were how they might have gone about that so what i was told and i i don't i don't doubt what you're
1: saying what i was told was if you took his first year salary okay his first year salary as a top 10 pick was probably going to be like 2.9. Okay. Yeah. 2.9 million. Then it was going to be, look, you've got to make it worth my while to come back and worth my while means, you know, another good chunk of change. Um, again, from what I was told and two different people, two different sources I've talked to said is his, the whole deal. It's like a 4 million, close to 4 million deal, but there's benefit, other benefits involved as well. Um, there's other things that, that Georgia offered as well. Um, beyond just, the NIL money. So, um, and legal benefits, not illegal benefits, um, just things for his family and things like that. So I, it's, look, they made it as comfortable as possible for him because he likes being in college. He likes the college environment. Um, he likes being the quarterback for Georgia. He enjoys college football. Uh, they just needed to make it feel right for him. They needed And they needed to put pieces around him to make his year as potentially, potentially as good as possible. And doing that means, Going in the portal, getting a starting uh tackle, because it you know, it looks like Ameris Mims is gonna be a top 15 pick. I don't know yeah. how he will stay. So if he goes, you got to get a, a a ready tackle, maybe a ready wide receiver or two. Um, you know, they don't know what's gonna happen with Ladd McConkey. He may go pro. Probably will. So here's another thing, too, is is you know, we still have two more weeks in the portal, but a little bit less than two more weeks to go in the portal. So now that receivers around the country know that Carson Beck is coming back, don't be surprised if you see one or two, oh, wow, he's in the portal now? Because now it's okay. Now I know where I can go to win a championship, my best shot to win a championship. If you're a guy who's been elite on a team for a couple of years and you got one more year in college football before you jump to the NFL and you haven't won anything and you want to leave and you want to get a little money in the, in the process and then you want to win a championship as well, why wouldn't you go to Georgia?
0: Right. We're talking to Matt Hayes, and I think most people know who Matt is. Uh, In addition to his work with Saturday Down South and 1010XL, Matt, of course, was a national college football writer for years and years and years with the Sporting News. And before that, um, you know, one of the top beat writers in the SEC, covered the Florida Gators. uh, I believe, I think you were there during that Spurrier uh, dynasty there in the 90s. So Matt's a guy that has been around a long time. I've gotten to know him as as a friend over the years, but also... Uh, Just as a fantastic reporter, and I I really enjoy reading his stuff. So appreciate Matt joining us tonight. And uh, Matt, you talked about the the tackles, uh, potentially getting a veteran lineman uh, through the portal. You mentioned the wide receivers, and yes, that is going to be an absolute uh, need. I mean, Brock Bowers is not coming back. I would be shocked if Ladd McConkie comes back. All signs point to Ladd going to the NFL. Uh, There's some speculation that Marcus Rosemey-Jack Saint, who's, you know, a, a real soldier Uh, one of these guys that can block, that can catch, maybe not as explosive as a Donnie Mitchell, but a a veteran guy, a sure pair of hands. You know, he may be teetering toward the league. No announcement yet. I wonder how the Carson Beck announcement may affect him. You know, Ra-Ra Thomas, a guy that was injured at the end of the year. I mean, this is a guy they really were counting on to fill that X spot. Quite frankly, he didn't. And, And Dominic Lovett, another guy that they thought could be super explosive. You know, Georgia didn't have that pass catching back. Matt, and so I think they thought they were going to generate some of the same plays out of the slot. And, and Lovett was solid and bought in, but I don't think he was nearly as explosive as a lot of people thought he might be coming from Missouri. I mean, there was talk maybe this is a thousand you know yard catch guy or a 60 catch guy never really was that explosive. So uh, I do think Thomas and Lovett are, are coming back. Um, and I do think they're going to get some guys out of the portal like you, but I want to go to the running back position. Because ETN is a guy, when when I was at uh, in Atlanta a couple weeks ago for uh, Feinbaum on the SEC Network, I had three different people from Florida come up to me. First of all, people from Florida never come up to me; they throw things at me. But but this particular night, three people from Florida came up to me and said, "Hey, ETN's mom really wants him to go to Georgia." Like like okay, like okay, let me call Kirby for you and tell him. But like they wanted me to know, like this is going to happen, Griff. This he wasn't even in the portal yet, Matt. But apparently. Uh, they want him relatively close to Jacksonville, and they want him to be able to play in a program where he can compete for a championship. And all indications is that this is a really first-class kid that would fit Kirby's parameters as far as leader, hard worker, team guy. So what do you know about ETN uh, as a person, as a player and the possibility that he can end up at Georgia? Um, well, first off, he's
1: a dude as far as a player. he the, Georgia gets him, it's going to be, wow, It's going to be akin to like to Alabama getting Jameer Gibbs, but with a guy that's a little more durable, a guy that can run between the tackles, Um, just a game breaker, a guy that can run for 70 anytime he touches the ball, and beyond all that, he's a great kid, a great locker room guy, a a great presence in the locker room. Teammates love him. I mean, he's a. It's it's shocking that Billy Napier couldn't do everything he could to keep him, but at the same sense what he could have done to keep him was give him the ball. I mean, give him the ball. He's a guy that averaged at one point was averaging less than 13 touches a game. And the guy, the other guy in the back row, Montreal Johnson, who's a good player. Okay. He's a very good player. He's not, he's not Trevor Etienne. They're not the same player. It's kind of a
0: mere white James Cook thing here. I think, isn't it?
1: It's I'm telling you, and they're sharing carries and they're you, you, if you're a coach, and your most explosive player on offense is standing next to you on the sideline for more than 50% of the plays, Mm -hmm. you're doing something really, really wrong. Okay. And that's why you're five and seven. That's why your first year you were six and seven. That's why you're getting your brains beat in 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 the cocktail party twice against Georgia. You don't have your most explosive player on the sidelines for more than 50% of the time. So if he goes to Georgia, I mean, Georgia fans will be shocked how good he is. Shocked. And my guess is, this is just a guess, stab in the dark, Griff. Okay, stab in the dark. They don't get more than 13 carries a game at Georgia. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, be careful with that because they like to rotate three. But no, no question about it. Uh, if Kirby's going to sign this guy, he's going to play him. I had heard that Dejon Edwards, who, who I think is a pretty good back. I don't listen. I'm going to be honest. I don't think he's a great back. And a tough runner. Yeah, he's not gonna be starting on anybody's fantasy football team, okay? He might make the roster, okay? He's a very borderline NFL guy. And I know that they probably wasn't real happy about, it. but look, here's the deal. If 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 Dejon decides to go in the portal, that would, you know, I don't think that would be good for him because I think Georgia gives him the best opportunity. I think Georgia will use at least two backs. I don't know how much they lean on one guy or the other. I mean, the last guy they really leaned on from an almost exclusive standpoint was deandre swift he was very special in 2019 um but i do think this is going to be a great situation for etn i do think all the dominoes are falling george's way and i don't know who's out there from an explosive receiver standpoint who's still out there um or you know if there's you know a small prayer they could keep lad i i don't i don't think they could um but if there's enough money or enough incentive uh or if this starts to look like, I think you told me earlier. Um, you said, you know, Mike, if they get all of these in a perfect scenario, if they just got everybody, maybe 2019 LSU. I mean, that is such a that would be such an amazing comparison because to me, that was I don't know, Matt. Let's let's take a let's take a quick little jot off to the side here. 2019 LSU is the best team that I've seen uh, since I've been covering college football '93. Since yeah. Week.
1: And again, Griff, we don't know what's out there right now. That's that's the whole thing is we don't know what receivers are thinking about leaving. Um, you know, you hate to throw guys names. out. I don't want to throw anybody's names out. But there there could be receivers out there that are looking at potentially leaving. And now that they know again, now they know Carson Beck is coming back. Now they know what is solid at that spot. Um, and clearly they're solid everywhere else. And if you want to win a championship, you want to go play for a championship or try and win one. I mean, it's you, there's only like four or five places where you could go and say, OK, I know I'm at the very least going to be playing in the championship game at the end of the season with a potential play in the playoff. And there's about three or four programs where you can say that.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what, when you know what you're going to get, it makes all the difference in the portal. I'll tell you elsewhere it makes a difference, Matt. That's at Ingles. And every time you go to Ingles, you know what you're going to get. They're reliable. They're dependable. We certainly appreciate them as our sponsor of this program. I want to take a break right now and recognize our sponsor, Ingles. When we come back, I want to talk to you about the Dylan Rayola flip and what that could mean in the quarterback picture for the Bulldogs as well as other programs around the nation. Now, a word from our sponsor, Ingles. In the bag at Ingalls, and now Dylan Rayola in the bag got a bag, perhaps from Nebraska. I'm guessing his uncle, I don't know if you saw he's got an uncle that coaches the line there. He just loves the Huskers, Griff. If there was a story like that Husker, Husker legend, there. his uncle's the offensive line coach. Come on, he not loves this stuff, huge man. raise. He he got like a week ago, he got. I'm not you can't make this stuff up. It's like out of a movie. The uncle gets a huge raise. All of a sudden, Dylan's hey, taking this Griff, last you minute. You know visit. what?
1: Honestly, honestly. Good for Dylan Rayola and good for Matt Rule. I mean, with the college football is better when Nebraska
0: is a lead, and that hasn't happened in a long no, time. Wait a minute. Wait, let's not like get carried game. away. This doesn't not make that makes him the lead on signing day. You really think Dylan Rayola? No, no, I
1: know I know it. I know it's not, but that's you start, that's how you build a program, man, with the quarterback. And if he is as good as everyone says he is, at the very least, Matt Rule, who has proven he can build teams that can compete for championships. If this kid is who everyone thinks he is, he's got a chance to build something special at Nebraska, especially, Griff, especially because there's a 12-team playoff now. It's no longer four, baby. It's 12 now. And in in a couple years when the the new playoff contract is renegotiated for the 2026, beginning of 2026, it'll be 12 at large. No more of this automatic qualifier stuff. It'll be 12 at large at that point
0: well, unless unless Mike Rogier and Dominican Sue have sons that I missed in the signing <laughs> class, i I don't see it happening. I mean, i I listen, and it's a matter of time in a couple years. when When I covered the Big Ten, uh, it, it was a, it was a thrill to be able to go to Lincoln, Nebraska and cover Nebraska. It was a bucket list for me because and yeah. and people that are watching may not realize this, but that is an incredible game day. That is one of the most spectacular game days in college. It's top ten they have the nicest fans it freaks the players out because they don't boo they compliment them they cheer for the other team i don't know if it's like a jedi mind trick but it they're polite they're the nicest people ever it's just this incredible game day it's a sea of red it's over ninety thousand. it's all about college football out there and that entire Region of the country, yeah. and and there's a rich tradition, and so I'm kind of with Matt. You you, you go in their stadium, and I mean it's it's beautiful. I mean it's museum quality. It's like this is this oh, is yeah. like the Notre Dame of the you know the the Plain States or something. The campuses, but but the football ever since uh, you know they got rid of Frank Solich, who was only winning ten games a year. Um, they, they just they haven't been able to win, and it's been a big surprise because the big thought was, oh my gosh. Uh, the Big Ten is adding Nebraska. It'd be like if the SEC added Clemson. We'd go, oh man, Clemson's coming in now, and then they don't do anything, which they probably wouldn't, by the way. But it 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 <laughs> has been they've stalled out so bad, and it, it's it's become embarrassing. So now you bring in Matt Rule, and listen, I'm, I'm listen. He he won Temple and he won Baylor, but but you got to remember, I watched Matt Rule like not identify George Pickens for 30 minutes. The guy had like 11 catches for 150 yards in the first half against Baylor. I guess because Matt was on the phone with the Carolina Panthers instead of watching film or something.
1: Not that he wasn't identifying. Perkins was winning outside one-on-one. He was winning. What are you going to well, do? Well, you don't
0: cover George Pickens one-on-one, okay? Like, nobody did all year. Anyway, I digress. I doubt Matt Rule. I doubt Nebraska. Rale is going to be in the portal in the next three years. His history is a guy that moves around. I'm not saying that out of spite. I'm saying that – that that's and that, that's a good thing. You want to win a Heisman Trophy? Transfer. Because just take a look, Matt, at all these guys that are winning the Heisman. Look at the finalists this year. Bonex transfer, Michael Penix transfer, yeah. Jaden Daniels transfer. Your top yeah. three. I mean, this is just kind of the the world we're in. So so let me ask you about the, the NIL and the portal. Wait, Matt, real, quick, real
1: quick. Real Bo quick. Bonex wash out at Auburn, Michael Penix wash out at Indiana, Jaden Daniels wash out at Arizona State. It's not like these guys were coming to these new programs as great quarterbacks. These were guys that were literally in the process of rebuilding themselves. Because when Jayden Daniels left the Arizona State if I don't know if you remember this, his teammates sent out a post on Twitter laughing at him, saying, well, we're glad he's gone. We didn't want him here anyway. The people in Auburn were glad when Bo Nix left. When Michael Penix left, he had that great season in 2020 that hurt his knee. Then the next year he played poorly because he was still rehabbing. And they wanted him out in Indiana. They didn't want him anymore. So that's the most incredible part about this whole Heisman race this year. These are three cast-offs. Now Heisman finals. Just phenomenal what, what the NI world and free player movement can do. And I think that's what we should be embracing right now. Okay. And I know you don't like that because you're an old guy, an old stick in the mud. You hate the free player movement, but that's what's so good about it.
0: Well, and, and, and Joe Burrow, who, who couldn't get out of the depth yeah. chart at Ohio State, which is probably the best of all because – I think Ohio State like tries to claim them and and you saw the Wake Forest coach Dave Clawson, go off on Notre Dame because right. they said they loved Sam Hartman and they're like, You weren't even dating him for a year. We built this guy, we we developed this guy through our program, and you're talking about loving the guy. I don't I don't hate the player movement. What I dislike and don't think is sustainable is this just barrage and wild west feel of December. I mean, it's like what's coming out the other end and i thought laura rutledge who's just spectacular at her job when she was doing the uh, the scheduled mm-hmm. preview show she was going and these are the teams that are going to meet we don't know who's going to play for these teams next year but this is when they i mean we really like they, they... you're, you're going to get me angry you know this right you're going to get me angry right now well, i'm not saying it's
1: a bad thing because, you because let me tell you something this some is what everybody does now okay everybody repeats the same talking points it's not sustainable it is sustainable not only is it sustainable, it's the game now. And if you don't like it, guess what? There's a 30-something coach waiting to take over for you to make seven million a year if you don't think it's sustainable. I always laugh when Kirby said it. wasn't Kirby. It was Nick and Kirby and all the big coaches. This isn't sustainable where college football is headed. <laughs> yes, it is. It is, and it will be. And guess what? It's going to look more like the NFL sooner than later, okay? And it will be sustainable, and the players will, wait, will make money they will have free movement just like coaches have free movement and if you don't like it go try and make seven mil somewhere else okay (laughs) i don't i don't understand the whole it's not see when people hear something in the echo chamber it's oh it's not sustainable of course it's sustainable
0: well the only constant in college football has been change even even though some changes have been bigger than others certainly the last three years it's like a meteor hit the planet and spinning in the other direction now with the the nil which or the portal or these things that you know you feel are overdue and to some extent i do too i'm still not sure how they're going to get into revenue sharing and um I, I do think it changes the dynamics of the game i know there's a lot of boosters out there that aren't interested in donating an extra million so that everybody else can have another 100 horsepower under the hood right i mean it because it, it, where's that money going you know, you, you walk out of the office and you you say to your you, the the why oh, I feel good about that million we just gave and then wrong! you know there goes a Hellcat Charger zero to sixty that blasts you in the ear like what's
1: wrong with that I don't driving that car
0: who's driving that no nothing I mean is there anything wrong with it it just I don't understand why people are so
1: why they feel so threatened by young guys making money why are they so threatened by that? I don't I don't think it's the I don't not think you I'm just saying people in general are in so general. threatened by young guys making money playing college football. I think
0: they should make money, but I think, Matt, that we're gonna need to see more corporate involvement, more NIL, because I think you're gonna see people stop giving. Because it's one thing to give to the school and say, well, look at this, we've built this incredible weight room and and these great dorms to house these student athletes. And I think that there's a, a certain connection and a certain pride that comes from the boosters that are you know we're going to bring this young guy into this community and he's going to be one of us and you know forever represent and it's like no not really he's just signing with you he's going to renegotiate after the year
1: long gone man if you're lucky to get a guy like that who really enjoys like carson beck who really enjoys athens who really enjoys playing college football who enjoys the university of georgia if you're lucky to get a guy like that fantastic Fantastic.
0: You're going to pay for him, though. You're going to, you, yes, Carson, you are gonna pay for him. If he's good, you are going to pay for him. Yes. Carson, unintentionally, look, it's Georgia. You're a two time national champ. You're the quarterback. You, you're the emerging story. Carson turned into the poster child for the NIL free agent this year. He, he did. Yes. It just did. 100%. And good for him, Matt, and Georgia, that they got this thing done now. Because if they wait until after the bowl game, it's a different story, right? I, I think it's a
1: different story because if they waited after after the bowl game, you've got so much could have happened. You know what I mean? He could have gotten injured in the bowl game, um, or he could have had a great game and he could have got a scout in his ear saying, "Look, man, you can go one overall. You can be the one overall pick." You know, then it's a different thing. So I I I think it's smart they got it done now, but it's also smart for Kirby because had they waited till the bowl game, till after the bowl game, what's left in the portal? What's left now? Right now, my guess would be they're probably going to still get a portal portal quarterback, but it's going to be more so. of, a, of a backup guy in case something happens to, to Carson, like Drew Pine from Arizona State, who also started at Notre Dame, or Dylan Moses, who started a full season at Washington. You're going to get a guy who's had some power five experience. He'll be your backup just in case something happens to Carson Beck, because I don't think Puglisi is going to be ready yet. And there's nothing wrong with that. doesn't mean Puglisi not going to be a great quarterback.
0: People say Gunnar Stockton, but I don't I, I don't think so, man. No, I think don't.
1: you need a guy who has actually played power five games. If you have a team that you think can win it all, mm-hmm. you can't say, all right, let's go with a guy who's never played before and put him in there and
0: expect to win a game in the SEC. It's, that's well, look at Georgia. Play. I mean, Georgia had JT Daniels, you know, 7-0 and quarterback, goes down with an injury. Here's Stetson. Stetson's a guy that started in 2020. Stetson's a guy that went to JUCO. You plug him in and you win a title because you have a capable backup quarterback and, and, that, and, and versus Florida State, which loses their star quarterback. And suddenly they, they can't get more than 12 first downs against a, a bad Louisville team that gave up 38 the week before. And it, it cost them a playoff spot. It may not be the, the best example, but the fact of the matter is, is quarterbacks do go down. It's funny. I was just thinking. I promoted the second segment. Matt is talking about Dylan Rayola. It's just not as important. It's just. I mean, I know everybody follows recruiting and all year long. But here's some thoughts I had on Dylan Rayola. Number one, I don't blame the kid. I think he's under incredible. I actually feel sorry for him. I think he's under incredible pressure from his family. He's a legacy kid. Yep. His dad went there. His uncle coaches there. They tell him take one more visit. Uh, you know, be, you know. At least just give us one more. You know, all the pressure. Suddenly, the Ohio State quarterback that was going to go there is like, you know what? I don't need this stuff. Now he's going to Syracuse. Now the pressure is even up more. Oh, Dylan, but they, they, they just they thought you were coming, and you know, the money and the throne is waiting you. Versus, you know, if you go to Georgia, it's you're competing with another freshman. You're probably not going to play for a year or maybe two. And and there's a part of me that wonders somebody someone says Vandergriff transferring was a telltale sign, it, it really wasn't, okay? Vandergriff did not want to get into the waiting game or the free agent game that he knew was coming with the ask that Carson had. He didn't want to stick around for that because he's hung out and waiting and waiting and waiting, un, un, unable to do anything until Beck either makes a deal or leaves. So the people that thought that, and I thought that early too, but once it became evident that there was some negotiating going on, it was really more like the Vandergrifts were like you know what we want to go play sec football we graduated from georgia we're out of here some people want to play the game matt some people don't getting back to rayola i also thought this when he was out in arizona everybody thought he was and he was he was a fantastic quarterback he goes to buford now he's playing high school football in georgia things are moving really fast these guys coming on the edges you know the, the, the part of me wonders if there was a part of Rayola that said you know what this, this, I, I don't know if I'm quite right. And I don't know that he's the kind of quarterback um, that survives the SEC. You know, we consider Carson average. Well, let me tell you, Carson Beck is a heck of an athlete. Carson Beck was a heck of a basketball player. He was a scholarship baseball player. He runs like a scared cat. He's fast. And we only consider him average. By comparison, Rayola was a statue, Matt. I, I think this was a good move for Dylan Riala. And I think it's going to work out for Georgia because now they have that scholarship to bring in that veteran backup out of the bullpen should anything happen and they need to survive a game or two.
1: No, I mean, honestly, I can guarantee you Kirby would rather have him. He'd rather have Dylan rail on the roster. Sure. There's no doubt about that. I mean, if you watch his tape, go on YouTube and just just type in Dylan rail, senior season, Dylan rail, junior season, the kid can throw it. He, he's got talent. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see with a lot of these guys when you go on there and you see their huddle tapes, you can see how good they are. So I just think a lot of it was, look, he got a lot of pressure from Nebraska. I agree with you there. I think there's a lot of pressure to to play where his dad played, to play where his uncle's coaching, to come save Nebraska football. Um, why would you want to go to Georgia? All they do is win championships. You're just going to be another cog in the machine. You come to Nebraska, you can save this program. You can build a legacy. And there's something to that, Griff, to be honest. there's certainly something to that. Um you're right, but at the, at the bottom line is you're completely right. There's a ton of pressure on that kid, a ton.
0: Somebody asked in the comments, and I'll answer it. They said, do you think Beck got his $4 million? Look, it, it, look it, it, this isn't the NFL. It's not like there's going to be a $4 million check written, okay? What we're talking about is a package. What we're talking about is a value of $4 million. What we're talking about from a financial standpoint, what I was talking about, Matt's, Matt was hearing first-year earnings. I was hearing uh, signing bonus in the, in that two or 3 million range, but there are other things within the package, not to mention potential future earnings. And and this is how it works. I I had a division one coach, uh, that, that I talked to, um, uh, last week, he called me. One of these, you know, he's he's out recruiting and he's dry. You get those calls, Matt. When the coaches yeah. call you and they're out recruiting, right? They're not even thinking about what they're saying, right? They, you know, it's like you know see, he
1: remembers on a
0: report, but he they're trusts me not, because he knows I'm not, not a gonna,
1: guy, buy a yeah. RC Cole, They don't care, man. Yeah,
0: I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna reveal who this guy is. <laughs> and and I'm saying to myself, uh, I'm saying to myself, you know, well, well, how do they come up with this? You know, he goes, well, first of all, he goes, this is nothing, four million dollars that's nothing these coaches literally sit at the controls of millions of dollars of nil deals and uh there was an old word used to be slush fund it's not slush anymore it's above board fund and and money you know how much is in the bank kirby knows how much is in the bank how much do i got to spend and to be honest with you if he needs more he picks up the phone he said hey we got this chance. Listen, back, but he wants another. How much do you need? How much? How much do you need? How much do you need, Coach? A couple million? No problem. I mean, it's that simple.
1: It's and also, it's also not just cash, which is what people don't understand either. Like I, I've had coaches tell me it's stuff like, they'll fly the player's family right. on the private jet. I'm not saying it's Georgia private jet, on the tennis the private jet or whatever private jet. Okay, we'll fly the we fly you to every away game and every home game and they'll they'll the player who they're signing the deal with think about the best condo in any city you know any campus of, of any college city they'll put you up in the condo for, for nine months you know while you're playing and while you're uh, training after the game after the season while you're training for the nfl which is another value of let's say that's four thousand a month so that's thirty six thousand right there there are different ways of adding benefits for players to increase that value it's not just cash there are a, a lot of other things it's cars, um, it's golf, it's country
0: club memberships. There's all insurance, kinds of stuff. insurance packages. Matt, how do you yes. respond to the Georgia fans that say, "Well, I, I heard he only got a million dollars." What would you would you would you laugh out loud at that number? I, I would I would laugh out loud. Yes, I'm not even <laughs> close to that. <laughs> I think Carson Beck got more than the entire Georgia basketball team put together. Now
1: I w- I will say this, Griff. Right. I will say this to to be fair to some of those people, say that they can't imagine it's that kind of money there's a lot of numbers out there being thrown around for some guys. that are just way off, way off. But for the elite of the game, four millions, nothing, nothing.
0: It's crazy. And, and I know you're in favor of the movement. I am too. I'll be inter- interested to see how these coaches continue to manage the locker room. One more thing I want to get into before I let you go. And and I, I may disagree with you on this. I may I may be opening up a can of worms here. I'm not I am not a believer that bowl games are I don't think any game where you keep score is meaningless I think there's a value to it Um, I don't think you necessarily draw hard and fast conclusions I don't look at the bowl game as a continuation of the season I think it's uh, the bowl season isn't to itself I had a coach tell me that there's so much going on but you better believe if Georgia beats a top five Florida State team and wins a seventh straight bowl game and has a seventh straight top uh, 10 finish and their seniors finish as the winningest class ever, that travels. That's advertising, Matt. I think, I think games do matter. I think the momentum that Georgia has, I think that's important when you talk about trying to uh, springboard into a 2024 championship season. What are your thoughts on uh, – now, there are some opt-outs coming. I'm going to talk about that in the next segment. But what are your thoughts on the importance of bowls? Do you still enjoy them outside of the playoffs? And um, how would you place value on a bowl win – I love bowl games. Love them.
1: Absolutely love them. Um, I, I love them for what they are. I love them because it's part of the holiday season, which is I love the holiday season. Let's be honest. We all do. Um, I love it because you, you if you're if you're covering a beat, you get to really see how a program develops over a bowl, over 15 bowl practices. Young guys get a majority of the work and, and you really start to see like, wow, that dude's going to be a good player. Or that dude, wow, he's really going to be a good player. You, you can see guys like that. Um, you can see guys coming on. And coaches are the same way. They love those, pra- those practices. That's 15 extra days of work for them, man. They love that, especially for those young cats. So I like it for that. I like it for the big game, for the for the cross-country uh, matchups, um, for the unique settings. Love all of it. There's nothing negative to it. Now, the only negative really is if you're an elite player and you're a day one or day two pick in the NFL draft, I don't know why you play playing that game. Because you literally are, you're taking, your, you're taking your ability to earn off the table with just one little twisted knee, not even a contact. Most of those ACL injuries are non-contact. Who knows what could happen? And I know you and I disagree on this, and I can see that look on your face right now. But I look at it along the lines of, I want to protect a kid's future. I want to protect his earning ability. And one game, while it is important in the the grand scheme, and I think it's important for program building, I totally agree with you on that. It doesn't mean it's critical to a player's future. It just doesn't.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. You know, Mm -hmm. a few years ago, Aziz Ajilari was a guy that a lot of us thought would opt out. Instead, he played and he sacked Desmond Ritter three times and forced two fumbles. I think he enhanced his value, and it was yeah. interesting when I was talking with Kirby about this last year. I asked him a couple of times. I was I was just amazed at. To me, Jalen Carter, and by the way, they'll be you know kicking off in about an hour. But to me, Jalen Carter should have been. He was the best player in the NFL draft. I mean, I, these people just absolutely snoozed on this. NFL people are in denial. They're not going to admit it. But all you got to do is is watch this guy. And I said to Kirby, how big was it that Jalen Carter came back from that knee injury and played when he looked, you know, he was a slam dunk top five pick, at least I thought he was. Kirby said, No, he's coming back enhancing his value. You know, you, you need you're looking at it all wrong. He's not risking anything. He's he's got a chance. Now that's a pretty convenient approach and attitude from a head coach that you have this opportunity. But um, I do think it's big for for Georgia. Um, I, I feel, you know, sort of bad for Florida State, not real bad, but sort of bad for Florida State. Uh, It's disappointing that some of their players are opting out. But to your point, um, you know, their goal is to win a title. I saw this happen to Georgia in 2018 when they – I believe they were wrongly left out um, and an Oklahoma team with Kyler Murray got in instead of Georgia because they had one loss instead of two, even though I thought Georgia was a a better football team. And and the players – some of them were in, but not all of them were in. Wait, so
1: you felt Georgia was wrongly left out that season. So let me ask you this. Was Georgia wrongly left out this season? Because I've heard a lot about how you've never had an unbeaten Power 5 champion not be in the playoff. And that was Florida State's argument. They were so upset about that. What about the fact that we've never had a number one going into the final week of the season drop out of the bowl? After a three-point loss, no less.
0: You know, the it's, it's, championship it's, it's,
1: game of the best conference in college football. So I should would, Georgia be upset about that? I, I, well,
0: you and Steve Spurrier think alike. I guess Georgia
1: would be the, the favorite from Vegas in, in any game against any of those other teams.
0: Yeah, I, I think you make a good point, and and Steve Spurrier told me the same thing. You know, he he asked me earlier day. He said, "How are they feeling?" You know, in his you know his voice. I won't even try to do it here. He said, "How are they feeling up there?" How at Georgia? they feeling
1: there? How they feeling there, Mike? Yes. Yeah,
0: so, How are they feeling up there, at Georgia, right now? And I said, "Well, I said obviously pretty disappointed." He goes, "He goes, boy, you you know you win all your games and you go from number one to number six when you lose a three point game to Alabama. That's it's that's, that's pretty tough there now. I mean, he was making a good case too, but." But then you get into the discussion of who you leave out. And if you really, you know, it's almost as if the college football playoff committee said, all right, we can make this jump on Florida State because, and they they warned you. Boo Corrigan told you for two weeks they weren't the same team. That was the red flag, that this was not the same team. I mean, if, you, if you're a Florida State person and you didn't pick up on that, I, you know, I got news for you. You ain't paying attention. But it's almost like they could justify that. What you couldn't justify by the eye test, which we both know is probably true, is that the te- the Alabama that Texas beat in week two ain't the same Alabama that Georgia played in the SEC championship game. Now, the eyeball test told us that, but that would have been too much of a leap for them to make. So I think you're right. I think Georgia's probably better than Texas. I, but I mean, that's I mean a, that's if you're going to make that leap of Florida
1: State, why, why do you not make
0: it with Washington? What makes Washington so
1: great unbeaten Washington?
0: well now wait a minute you know you look at their po- I, I think Washington is was pretty good I thought Oregon because I bought it I'm bought into Oregon.
1: No, like, well, I'm asking you what makes them what makes them like an unbeaten where you're like yeah Washington of course what what does it
0: schedule strength they had a good schedule strength they beat Oregon year. twice that's that's
1: your that's your argument basically you an argument good twice
0: and, and and for that matter an argument against Oregon that everybody just kind of you know moved away uh, Oregon only beat Texas Tech by a touchdown on the road. Texas beat that team by like 40 or 50.
1: Yeah, I don't look, I don't mind Washington I think I'm fine with Washington. All I'm saying is if you're gonna make that leap with Florida State, you damn sure better make it with Washington too.
0: Well, why stop? Why stop there? Well, who's Michigan beat other than Ohio State this
1: year? Right, but but the thing is though, is they beat your that Ohio State team.
0: Yeah, but who else did they? They'd be one team. What did Ohio State do? I mean, Ohio State almost lost to Notre Dame, right? Well, Michigan beat Penn State, too. It's a pretty good team. Are they? I don't know. I, you know, we could, you know, we well, can then why don't we just go get everybody then? Everybody sucks. How Let's just this? put the whole SEC in there. Look, because look, the SEC is fourteen. 14 and here's the numbers. 14 and 3 in the college football playoff era when an SEC team plays a team from another conference. 14 and 3. And oh, by the way. Alabama was the team with all three of those losses. Can you name them, Matt? Can you name? I bet Good. you can. Well, one to Clemson, two to Clemson, right. two to Clemson, right? Two to Clemson. What am I saying? And the other one was, uh, wow, Ohio State. Wait, yeah, Ohio State. Ohio State, Alabama. Right, right, right. Those are the. That's the only games at SEC. So when you look, and Kirby made that argument. Kirby threw that up, but but you know what? Kirby's been drugged, you know, behind this horse before. So he argued the night of it. And then he knew better because he knows they're going to change it every year. The metrics are and we're going to have the same discussion on 12, 13 and 14. It's just it's going to be somewhere out like in the Mountain West Conference. With let me tell let you
1: something. Curry's not done with that argument because <laughs> because when they beat Florida State, the entire offseason, he's going to be saying, just like Nick did last offseason. Why weren't we in the playoff? We could have beaten any of those teams. I'm telling you he will. So it's you not going to be the you know, dumb media awesome. anymore
0: that he's after. There's it's going to no be the committee he, that he's going to call out. If you guys out.
1: think no. he's just going to let this go, that they drop from one to six, there's no way he's letting that go. No way. That's a
0: great, that's a great point. You speak, Kirby. That is a great point. We are going to – you're right. We are going to hear from Kirby Smart again. Matt, we're going to hear from you again at some point. Tell people where they can find you on Twitter and where they can read about, read your uh, stories.
1: Uh, you can find me on X. It's now X, Mike. I know you're <laughs> a little behind the times. It's now X. On X. X, on X at Matt Hayes CFB,
0: at Matt Hayes uh, CFB. Saturday
1: down south, all the Saturday verticals: down south, Saturday tradition, which is the Big Ten vertical; uh, Saturday out west, which is the Pac-12 vertical that will soon turn into the Big Twelve vertical; and Saturday road, which is the ACC vertical.
0: Well, now, and you do a radio show on 1010 XL yeah, that I was the radio show in Jacksonville. Yeah, tell tell me about the radio show. When is when we're is on that? daily noon to
1: three, 1010 XL uh, on the AM. 92.5 in Jacksonville on the on the FM. However, you can't just get the app. Just get the app. And you listen anywhere, man. You could be in
0: Fairbanks, Alaska, and listen. Oh, man. You could be on vacation in Paris and listen. It is, that? It, and it is truly one of the best radio programs, sports radio shows on the air. I, I got introduced to it a few years ago. Uh, Matt had me on as a guest, and I, I liked his co-host so much that um, all of them—they got a ton of great co-hosts. I started listening and the information is fantastic i think it's the only show tim tebow makes a case and that tells you everything tim tebow comes on the air that's, that's pretty good you know he, the only other people he talks to outside of sec network is god so the fact that he goes public and fine to, bomb and it's god, god every, every, and fine now. Bomb. every now and then he'll, he'll do the fine bomb show but matt really appreciate you joining us man i want to take a break right now uh i want to recognize another one of our sponsors and um, I'm going to get to this who's hot and who's cold segment. It's brought to you by Anytime Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. You're watching On the Beat with Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation. Anytime Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. Our family has been making sure Georgia fans and their families are comfortable for over 20 years. Let us do the same for yours. Anytime. Service repairs and replacement with trained systems. Our trained comfort specialists are carefully selected to visit your home and offer you a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Anytime offers an annual three-visit comfort plan starting at just $155. Visit AnytimeHVAC.com for details. Anytime. Large enough to take care of your heating cooling and plumbing but small enough to care welcome back to the program mike griffith here and now time for the hot and cold segment and i was a little hot this morning when i wrote this piece about this cloudy uh portal time that we've all been dealing with right i mean it was just hit after hit after hit of players going in the portal and and maybe matt's right maybe it is sustainable maybe this won't change um i think it needs to change but I think there needs to be some sort of change in how the information and the transactions take place. I'm not saying that one month is, is too long or too open of a window, but I, I think that the actual transactions need to occur in a tighter window because the way this gets drug out, I mean, can you imagine the, the conversations going on in Kirby Smart's office and the trickle down effect that this has on high school athletes and what scholarships available and which ones aren't? And on players trying to decide if they're going to return. Suddenly, there's a player coming in from a portal at your position when you thought you were the second stringer. Now you're the third. Does this change where you play next year? So I don't think that this portal, uh, the way this uh, is set up currently, I, I don't think uh, that it that it's sustainable. You know, I, I also cited Brian Kelly, and I wrote this story today. You can check it out on DogNation.com. Uh, the title was three things: cloudy portal model, not sustainable. Bowl games matter to Georgia. Uh, but I referenced an, uh, an interview I did with Brian Kelly uh, at the SEC spring meetings about a year and a half ago. And he said a young man could say whatever he wants. You know, oh, yeah, I was offered $1.5 million to come to this school. You better get on board or you're not going to get me, Kelly said. He said, or maybe somebody else helps him say that. He says there's a lot of moving parts and and, and that, you know, football needed to get past that early part of the, of the port. Well, it hasn't changed. It, you still don't really know. What's being offered? What a guy signed for? You heard, you know, Matt and I talk a lot about Carson back, and you know what the ask was, and and how they're able to get the money put together, and how it's not it's not just some written check. It's a lot of considerations. It's future considerations. It's potential nil deals. It's uh, you know, things for the family allowances, insurance. There's all sorts of ways to put together package packages that equal the amount uh, that maybe Carson would have made had he gone pro. It, and And made it a little bit easier for him to make this decision and risk his professional future um, because I do think Carson Beck would have been drafted uh, early in the second round. and and who knows? maybe even late in the first all, it takes his one team to like you. So uh, a lot a lot there uh, in terms of how the portal works. Uh, this too, opt outs. And, and Matt and I disagree on this. He was talking about, you know, well, you know, this is a guy, you know a guy is risking something and potential earnings. You know, we used to make that argument, and say, "Hey, these guys aren't pros." Well, you know what? Now they are. They're getting paid. Even guys who don't have NILs are getting paid. There's a base salary for players now that goes beyond uh, the scholarship allowances. Remember when their meal money was? Oh, they're going to get another three or five thousand. Well, now uh, you're talking about five digits, not four in the thousands. Okay, ten thousand on up uh, base for some of these schools. So now they are professionals. And if you're a professional, you're being paid to play. Uh, and I think opt out d- doesn't work, uh, you know, if you're being paid. Look, look at Bryce Young, for example. So there's the Carolina Panthers clearly out of the playoffs. Clearly no chance uh, playing the Falcons on Sunday. And Bryce Young's out there playing. He's not opting out. Not opting out. You say, well, why is he playing? It's a meaningless. It's never meaningless in the NFL. You've got a brand, you've got fans, you sell paraphernalia, you got a television contract. Those people are paying for your frontline players. You know, you're not gonna see Bryce Young opt out on a one or a two, you're not gonna see any players opt out. Now, every now and then you may see a team that's clinched a playoff spot rest, rest some players before the playoffs, but you're not seeing people opt out because it's meaningless, um, that, that doesn't happen. So I think opt outs are, are outdated. Now that we're into NIL contracts, I think you're going to see those start to go away. I think that should help some bowls. There's still some programs where there's some disconnect. Not everybody's together as George. And that, that brings me to my final point. Um, you know, this whole idea that, that bowls are meaningless. Uh, I mean, it's a matter of perspective. And and I'm sure there's some people with the NFL mentality, you know, Super Bowl or bust mentality that say, well, it doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, but it means something to a player. And, and anybody that's played football um, knows this. You don't put the pads in the helmet on and do anything meaningless, okay? You you better have some intentions about you. You're not out there lollygaming or lollygagging around, or you're gonna get your block knocked off. Um, so just to play football, just to play the game, it better have meaning, all right? You better bring something to the table. You'd better bring some energy and some passion and some drive. This is a brutal, violent football game, all right? There's nobody that's playing it that feels like it's meaningless. If they feel like it's meaningless, they hang up the equipment and they walk away. You don't get on the field thinking it's meaningless. So first of all, it's not meaningless to any of those guys playing. When they suit up, if they're keeping score, it means something, all right. You've seen you've seen Kirby Smart. You've seen how he transforms from that uh, CEO-like guy wearing the loafers with no socks in the boardroom with you know his sophisticated approach to problem solving to this wild-eyed. Uh, former all SEC safety that's telling these guys with with every potential curse word in the book uh, to get these guys jazzed up and, and excited because he's he's able to get in their head and think like because he was one. He's a different guy. You know, I think what makes those Kirby leaked locker room speeches so fun and fascinating is it, it does motivate, right? I mean, how do you not get motivated when you, you hear Kirby go off about wanting to eat? right? You saw the video I want to eat. Okay. So maybe Nick Saban is the philosopher and he has all these sayings about, you know, self-standard of excellence that all of us can kind of carry with ourselves is maybe kind of a self, self-help self mode. But Kirby's the guy that I'd want to hear before I went on. So the, what my point is the games matter. Okay. They matter to Georgia. Maybe they don't matter as much to Ohio State, uh, you know, that lost in the playoffs last year, doesn't really have any streak to speak of. Their quarterbacks already flew the coop. Maybe it doesn't matter to them, but it matters to Georgia because Kirby's got something going here that's really special. I mean, you already know Georgia's got the longest bowl streak in the country, right? It goes back, what, 25, 26 years. But Georgia's won six straight bowl games. There's been a lot of blood, sweat, and guts for Georgia to have a six-game bowl streak. Georgia's finished in the top 10 six straight years. How many other programs can say that? I mean, really, how many other programs can say they've won six straight bowls and finished in the top 10 six straight years? I'll tell you, none. The other amazing streak, and I don't think this is anything you hang a banner on, but just blows me away to give you some idea of how good of a coach Kirby Smart is, 19 straight wins when Georgia's had more than a week to prepare for an opponent. Think about that. That's that's fascinating. It goes back to the uh, Texas loss um, after the 2018 season. So there, there's just a lot. And then finally for the seniors, right? Kirby talks about the guys playing for each other. Uh, these guys can win 50 games together. That would be a new record for their outgoing class. I mean, that's something you achieve and you accomplish. And as hard as it is right now uh, for these young men to recognize what they've done because they're still disappointed in the loss to Alabama. I mean they, these kids you know they they played their guts out they worked so hard um you know injuries tough breaks not their best game whatever you want to say it's 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 devastating right it's devastating to be that team that lost the 29 game win streak that lost the three peat and yet this is an era that currently stands as the greatest in Georgia football history it's not even debatable the numbers are staggering if they beat Florida State, this will make them 7-1 and against top five teams over the last three seasons. The only other program I could find that matched seven wins over top five programs in three years was Alabama from 2015 to 2017. It's pretty remarkable. Um, I think this would be 16 or 17 wins against top 25 teams. I mean, they've just won so much. And capping it with a win over Florida State in the Orange Bowl, a very proud bowl, not a playoff, but the next best thing, I mean, these guys are going to be legends. You're going to remember their names forever. You're going to be able to identify the the, the Bulldogs of 2020, 20, 21, and 22. You're going to remember them because they're champions, and champions get remembered differently. You might say, "Well, that's not fair." There's other great Georgia. Players. Well, there are, and we, you know, there's other great Georgia players you remember that didn't win championships here and there. But you're going to be able to name 12, 15, 20 guys off this championship run, and the fact that Carson Beck is coming back now just to kind of bring it full circle. This is a program that could win three championships in four years. I'm with Matt. I think this is a a Georgia team that is going to be among the top three or four teams to win the national championship next season, especially knowing that Kirby's not done yet. Kirby is a competitive guy, extremely competitive. He slow plays everything, right, which which fans can find frustrating. But believe me, it's out of being thorough. it's, It's turning over every rock, every stone. And this portal is not done for Georgia, all right? Kirby, I believe, lost this year's national championship because of the portal, because of uh, Donnie Mitchell being at Texas, because Jermaine Burton being at Alabama, and Georgia not having a healthy uh, dynamic receiver in that game, because Tresman Marshall being at Alabama recovering a fumble, making a third down stop, instead of being his backup linebacker who wouldn't have gotten beat on a a, uh, first and 20 from the 28-yard line. Georgia lost in the portal this year. They lost a championship. Kirby tried to do it within. He tried to do it with, he's going to go out and he's going to be aggressive. Kirby Smart does not make the same mistake twice, folks. He learned in 2018 when Justin Fields wanted to go to the bowl game, even though he was transferring. Kirby was a good dude, said, Yeah, come on. He said, In the next year, there was no more of that. That doesn't work. Only guys that are playing, right? You got to be all in. Just like Carson back. Carson, ah, I'm going to wait till after the arm. Now, Carson's decided. He's back. Kirby says you're all in. He's taking guys that are going to be hyper-focused, right? I think the same with the portal. I think Kirby's going to keep all the talented guys that he can. I think they've made decisions, any of these guys in the portal. I don't think there was any surprises. I really don't think Georgia lost anybody that, that Kirby wasn't sort of okay losing. Right. To some extent. Right. Uh, Adani Mitchell last year was different. But I, I think even even Jamon Dumas Johnson, because of the talent of these two other linebackers and Smile money coming back, there's only so many snaps. I think J.D.J. had an opportunity to make a little money, come back from that uh, forearm somewhere else at Georgia. That was going to be hard to compete. So everything Kirby's done is, is with cause. And I'm just going to tell you, he's not done yet. He is not done yet, and Matt Hayes is right. We're going to hear about George being left out of the playoff from Kirby again after they beat Florida State. He's going to tell you. We tried to tell you we were one of the four best, and uh, I guess I feel kind of bad for Florida State. If they got guys opting out, um, George is going to bring it, and they're going to bring some heat to the Orange Bowl. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to Brandon Adams tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. on Dog Nation Daily. You know Jeff Santel is going to have a bang-up show this Wednesday night. Uh, before the hedges, we got a ton of coverage coming up on early signing day. Don't forget every Sunday night, Connor, in coverage, you see Connor Riley break in with all the news reports. Does a great job on the Georgia Beat every day. And uh, Kaylee Manziel as well. She'll be providing you some coverage. So I want to thank my producer, Michael Carvel. I want to thank my friend and uh, National College football writer, Matt Hayes. Some great insight on Carson Beck. If you're just joining us, you're going to want to rewind and listen to what Matt had to say about Beck. He's got sources in Jacksonville where Matt lives that are very, very close to Carson Beck, and he revealed some very interesting information on the show tonight. I want everybody to have a great week, have a great holiday, and we'll see you next week.